Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word tonight. Lord, you are a great God and your word is great. And so, Lord, we pray you'd help us to learn from you tonight as you teach us in Jesus' name, amen. All right, Ruth chapter three, verse 18. This is the advice that Naomi was giving to Ruth. Then said she, sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. For the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. Now, when we come to verse 18 here, then Ruth chapter three, verse 18 here, this is the most critical time in Ruth's life. Ruth has had many critical times. She could give us a list. I mean, she had the critical time when she was back there and she watched the patriarch of the family, Eli Melech, the, her father-in-law, she watched him die in the land of Moab. That was a critical time for her. Then she went through the critical time of watching her brother-in-law die her husband brother, he watched him die, that was critical. Then she went through the critical time when she watched her own husband die in Moab. And that left her, by the way, as a childless widow, which was a bad thing. And Ruth went through these one critical time after another, and then she reached the time when her mother-in-law, Naomi, decided she'd had enough of life in Moab, and she was going back to Israel, a place that Ruth had never been to, and then she did everything she could to persuade Ruth to turn back to her parents, to get another chance at getting married again, to have children, and that was a critical time. But she went with her mother-in-law, Naomi, Ruth did, and when she entered into Israel, that was a critical time. Why? Because she was a member of Israel's sworn enemies, the Moabites. So Ruth, she's just gone through one critical time after another. She gets to Israel, then she has to go out alone into the fields with men who despised her for being a Moabite, and she's got to work. So she's gone through all of these critical times, but now she's come to a very critical time when she was pushed out of the house by Naomi, told to go at night to the men's threshing floor, find Boaz, essentially proposed to Boaz. But of all the critical times that she's gone through, all these times, where she's at right now is the most critical time in her life because this is the time that seems to really have rocked her. This seems to have really put her in a state of anxiety because she just wanted to spend the rest of her life just being a widow and staying with Naomi and taking care of Naomi. But now she knows there's another man that she doesn't even know and she might have to marry him. So she's in a state of extreme anxiety. And it's when she's in this state of extreme anxiety that Naomi comes and makes this statement that we're reading about in verse 18. And she says to her, sit still, my daughter, 
until thou know how the matter will fall, for the man will not be in rest until he hath finished the thing this day. So verse 18, Naomi spoke to Ruth, is really so rich in meaning, and in our last study, we focused, as Eric was saying here, on the aspect of the man will not be in rest. That was a statement of anxiety, and we talked about that was good. That was good that Boaz was in that state. That was a holy anxiety. And when we looked at two holy anxieties that are good, and the first one is the holy anxiety over being lost, and separated from God, and that holy anxiety was good because that leads a person to seek God with all the heart, and if he seeks God with all the heart, he's gonna be saved according to the promise in Jeremiah 29, 13 that says, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. So the first holy anxiety is over being lost. The second holy anxiety is over the lost. It's kind of like a chicken getting their hands together where a person is led to become a fervent intercessor for the lost. Remember we looked at that, it was Romans 9, one through three where Paul was very anxious in a good way when he said in Romans 9, one, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, and my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have great heaviness and continual sorrow, for I could wish myself were cursed from Christ for my brethren, uh, my kinsmen according to the flesh, the Jewish people. So in verse 18, we see now we always now telling Ruth that Boaz, he has this holy anxiety, it's good. He has a holy anxiety to redeem Ruth, and that's a good anxiety. But in verse 18, Naomi is also telling Ruth that she recognized that she was anxious, and she was saying to Ruth, you don't have a holy anxiety. On the one hand, Naomi was telling Ruth that Boaz has a holy anxiety, he's got a good anxiety, and he should pursue this, which was Ruth's redemption. But now, on the other hand, Naomi is telling Ruth in verse 18, sit still. Naomi is telling Ruth that she has an anxiety which is not good. And so with these two anxieties that are at play here in verse 18, one good one, one bad one. And Ruth's anxiety was bad, Boaz's anxiety was good. And so that brings to us, it helps us because it gives to us the issues that we have when we have a holy anxiety, that's good. But when we have a unholy anxiety, we have bad anxiety, that's bad, and it's what Naomi has told Ruth in verse 18 that's gonna help us. It's gonna help us when we have these anxieties that are not good. So we put ourselves in the place of Ruth, and we see ourselves with an unholy anxiety, which is like every day almost, and it's not good, and we look to Naomi to help us to not have this bad anxiety. So we say to Naomi, okay, Naomi, help us, and we hear her say to us, sit still until thou know how the matter will fall. Now, in order for Ruth to overcome her bad anxiety, Naomi knows that Ruth needed to hear three words that she was saying. It's almost as if Naomi is saying to me, listen to me when I say these three words in verse 18, until thou know, until thou know. When Naomi says to Ruth, until thou know, she's saying to Ruth that what was gonna happen was already known, but it was not yet known to Ruth, until thou know. In other words, Naomi is saying to Ruth that what's gonna happen to you, Ruth, what's gonna happen to Ruth, is that as far as who she's gonna marry or not marry, it's already known. It's already known, it's already been determined by God. God has already made the decision in heaven, and for Ruth, it's really just a matter of her having to wait 
to see what God had already decided. That's the way the California Superior Civil Court works. You know, we make a motion, we write our motion to the judge, the judge sets a court date for the hearing, but the judge, by the time we get to the hearing, the judge has already made the decision. He's already made the decision. So when we come to the hearing, it's really to find out what the judge has already decided. So what Naomi is saying to Ruth was that the great judge of the universe has already decided this matter. It's already been decided. And when we think that, when we don't see it like that, in life, and we see that, well, you know, I don't know about he's got the whole world in his hands, but I got the whole world on my shoulders, and everything depends on what I do, anxiety comes. That's anxiety. But when we see that what happens on earth has already been determined by what God has decided in heaven, that takes bad anxiety away. It takes it away. Sit still until thou know how the matter will fall. Is saying that the matter will fall here on earth exactly as God has determined it in heaven. And so when we really see this, when we really see that what happens here on earth is determined by what God has decided in heaven, it just drives us to have a new emphasis in persistent prayer. Not just prayer, but persistent prayer. And this is what the Lord Jesus was emphasizing over and over again when he kept using these words in Mark 7, 7, Mark 7, 7, when he says, ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Ah, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth, and every he that seeketh, findeth, and him that knocketh, it shall be opened unto you. And he goes on to say, or what man is there of you, whom if his son asks bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask him? See the emphasis on good. Good gifts, good gifts, good gifts. The key to persisting in prayer is found as when the Lord said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven give good things to them that ask him? The key is believing how good God is. If we really believe that the Father is good, then we're gonna pray more to him, pray more to him. Now, we read that Naomi told Ruth to sit still. Now, when you read that, you know, to sit still, you might just think that, well, what is she really saying to Ruth? Maybe it sounds like, Ruth, relax, chill out, kick back, calm down, go into a passive mode. But when Naomi says that to Ruth, sit still, she's not saying to Ruth to go into a, become passive. She's not saying that at all. She's not saying these things. In fact, it's just the opposite. To sit still is hard because Naomi is telling Ruth the same thing that Peter is saying in 1 Peter 5, 7. 1 Peter 5, 7, Peter is saying this, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. This is God, casting all your care upon God, for God careth for you. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, this verse is not a call to be passive. As a matter of fact, this verse is actually describing two very active works that are going on. First, there is the active work that we do. That's described as casting all your care upon him. It's a very active work when we cast our care upon him. As a matter of fact, the mere fact that we read it here in English as casting is very much according to the Greek tense, the present continuous form, which shows that we're always doing this. We're always in this activity of casting. It's a constant, active process. It's not just one act. It's not just, it's just, we have to always be casting, 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 continually casting our care upon him. That's our work. That's what we do. We 
cast. But there's another work that's going on that's described in 1 Peter 5, 7. And this is the work that God does when it says he careth for you. Again, present continuous form of this verb. So again, very active, there again. God's not being passive here, but he's actively caring for us. We are casting, casting. He is caring, caring, on and on and on. And just as much as we go on continually casting our care upon him, God goes on continually caring for us. It's just not true to say, well, if we don't care for ourselves, no one's gonna care for me. You know, if somebody says that, you know, if, just, if we say that, you know, well, if I don't care for myself, no one's gonna care for me, then job, you know, God says, well, what am I, chop liver? He, he's constantly caring for us. So Naomi here, she's telling Ruth, she's saying to Ruth, okay, now, you've done your part. You've done your part in this matter. You went to there and you found Boaz and so forth. And now you need to be casting, casting your care on God. And now it's time for you to recognize that God is going to do his part in caring for you, Ruth. So when Naomi tells Ruth, sit still, it was Naomi saying to Ruth, Ruth, just leave God alone right now in his work of caring for you. Leave him alone. I mean, after we've cast our care on God, it's time for us to sit still and leave God alone to do his work of caring for us. Of course, we pray and we pray, but we don't interject ourselves. Well, maybe I ought to go out and do this and do that. No, he says, just sit still. This verse in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you, is really important to see in its context in its context, because it's got a verse before it and it's got a verse at the end of it, so on the other side, sandwiched. Okay, so these two verses that sandwiches are very, very important. It goes like this, 1 Peter 5, 6, the verse before. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Now, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Now, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So this verse, in the verse before it, before the casting, we are told, humble yourselves. This shows we only cast our care upon God when after we have humbled ourselves. And if we're proud, and if we're thinking that we're great, then we're not gonna cast our care on God. In pride, it's gonna lead us to believe that I can take care of myself. See, so the verse we read first, when it says humble ourselves, then says now you're prepared to cast your care on God. But the verse also explains after it that if you don't do that, I got news for you. There is a devil as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. What does that show us? That shows us that if we hold on to pride and we don't cast our care on God, then we set ourselves up to be attacked by the devil. The description there of the devil walking about seeking whom he may devour. It reminds me of the three finch feeders. They have three finch feeders in the front, front yard there, and they're right below a big tall tree, 70-foot pine tree. And these golden-breast finches, you know, I like to sit there and watch them. They're very interesting. Because what's so interesting about them is that the way they eat, they don't sit down and relax and eat. They never do that. They cling to it, and they'll take some niger seed, and then they're looking all around and up and down and everywhere, and, and then they get some more, and I'm thinking, boy, you're gonna get indigestion. Why don't you relax a little bit? They don't relax, you know? And so they're just constantly ready on guard at a moment's notice just to fly off. And I finally learned the reason why is because I learned that at the top of the pine tree is a nest of red-tailed hawks. 
and they're watching those finches. And at any moment, oh, I saw it one time when it happened. Such drama, I thought to myself, oh, I can't believe my eyes. I mean, they come down like Darth Vader. They just come down from the pine tree there with their wings flapping and disturbing all the air currents and creating all kinds of confusion. And the finch doesn't know what to do. And he grabs a finch and he takes it up to the nest. And that's lunch. Now, we are just like the finches. And what they're doing when they're eating, they're being sober, they're being vigilant, because we have to be that way, because the devil is just like the red-tailed hawks watching us, seeking whom he may devour. And if we don't humble ourselves and cast our care on God, we set ourselves up to be attacked by the devil. You know, verse 18 starts out by saying, then said she, then said she. That's important words, then said she, because it focuses back on Naomi. It reminds us who's telling who. This is Naomi talking to Ruth. This is Naomi, the elder. This is Naomi, the older woman, talking to the younger woman, Ruth. And Ruth was wise. She was smart to listen to Naomi as her elder. Why? Because Naomi brought a lot of wisdom to the table. And Ruth expected that that Ruth was good to listen to it because she was just reaping in all of Naomi's life experiences. You know, when people are younger and then they're trying to build a family or build a career or build a business, they don't have time to sit down and, and pass on wisdom. They don't have much to them anyway. But when they get old, then they both have both the experience and the time to pass on what they've learned. You know, it reminds me of over 20 years ago when we were given the responsibility to manufacture first response pregnancy tests. And that was a very interesting time for the company because we never made anything like that. We had no technology. None of us ever made anything like that. We had no people. We didn't have a place to make it. We had no place. So we had no technology. We had no people. We had no place. Apart from that, we were perfect. And so, but, and we had a problem. We had a problem because we were always hiring, you know, young people, 20-year-olds out of, out of school, and we found they're just not stable and they don't stay with us because they think they're Einstein and they're gonna go on and get the Nobel Prize someplace and so it didn't matter what kind of... So we needed a stable workforce because this new operation of manufacturing first response, we needed people who was like, we'd learn how to make it and we had people should stay, otherwise we're gonna be in a lot of trouble. So Diana Huerta, who was in charge of the project, and she knew that she had to build a stable workforce that wouldn't quit. It wasn't gonna go try to go move on in their quest to move up the corporate ladder. So she did something absolutely brilliant. We were like, wow. She went to retirement homes and began to hire 80-year-olds. And, you know, they didn't, some of them didn't drive. We had to go sit in a van and go pick them up, you know. But it was great. They didn't quit. They just died. That was another problem. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were so happy to have a job. And they were so happy to have purpose again in life. And even though the job would start at 8 a.m., and many of them would come to work at 6 at 6 a.m., they just wanted to sit in the break room, drink the coffee, eat the donuts, and just enjoy their new position. I'm a valued member of the workforce again. And they never quit. And they had all that wisdom and that years of experience. And then we went ahead and we hired also the 20-year-olds to work alongside them. And we saw something wonderful happen, and that was the 80-year-olds who were working on along the side of the 20-year-olds, they began to treat the 20-year-olds like they were their sons and daughters. Could have almost been their grandsons and daughters. But anyway, they began to pass on wisdom. And then we saw the 20-year-olds begin to confide in them. It was great. And what the older ones would know, and they passed on to the younger ones, were the situations of life. 
Then they would say to them, listen, this is when you should stop worrying over a situation. And this is when you should stop be depressed over a situation. And this is when you shouldn't be overly eager over a situation. And this is when you should not lag behind in a situation. And this is when you should not take too much in your hands in a situation. It was beautiful. And Naomi was passing on to Ruth this valuable advice when she said to Ruth, sit still. So when Naomi told Ruth, sit still, Naomi was saying to Ruth, look, you need to realize that, Ruth, you're only in the middle of this thing. Because on the one hand, Boaz is working on it, but on the other hand, God is working on it too. You're just in the middle. And bad anxieties for us will lose their grip on us when we see that we're just like Ruth, where we're just in the middle of things with a situation on one hand and God working on the other hand, and we're just in the middle. And when Naomi told Ruth to sit still, she was saying to Ruth, Ruth, life has a plan. Ruth, life has a purpose And God's purpose is to shape us. Naomi's saying to Ruth, to shape us, which is exactly what is said in Isaiah 64, 8. Isaiah 64, 8 says, but now, O Lord, thou art our father, we are the clay, and thou art potter, and we are all the work of thy hand. See, to sit still is to realize that we are wet clay, on a wheel that God is using to form us and to shape us by these situations in life. You know, I remember when I first went to Finland. Finland is a very strange place, but anyways, it's up there. And there's a lot of troubles in Finland. You know, it has one of the highest suicides rates, but you know, it's very cold, very, very cold up there. And it's next to Russia, and Russia is always causing problems for Finland, invading and fighting, and oh, it's just terrible. And so Sibelius, he wanted to write something to his people, to his people of Finland, that would calm them, that would give them assurance. And so he wrote this, which become a national anthem, but it's, and he writes these word, and you can just picture Sibelius now writing to his Finnish people when he's saying to them, my people, be still, my soul. The Lord is on thy side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change, he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul, thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. This is what Naomi is saying here in verse 18. Sit still, my daughter, until thou know how the matter will fall. It looks so uncertain when you say something like how the matter will fall. You say, fall? Yeah, that's how it looks. It looks as uncertain as something just falling. But what looks to us as uncertain as falling is really as certain as God already determining exactly how this will fall. And it will fall exactly where God has decided it will fall. Now, In verse 18, when Naomi speaks to Ruth, we can just picture this motherly position of Naomi pulling Ruth in close to her. It's like, come here, my daughter. Pulls her in close, gets right up to her, eye to eye, and she smiles, she says, Ruth, my daughter, the man will not be in rest until he have finished the thing this day. And as Naomi does this, we can see Naomi just looking right into the eyes of Ruth And as she does this, we can just see, Ruth, I'm conveying a message to you. It's not written here, but I'm conveying a message to you. And the message is this, Ruth, I know this man. Ruth, I know this man. Ruth, I know Boaz. And from what I know about Boaz, I can tell you that he will not be in rest until he has finished the thing this day. 
You're going to know the outcome this day. Why? Because I know Boaz. That's the message. That's the message. It's quite a statement when Naomi is saying to Ruth that she knew Boaz and she could speak this way. As a matter of fact, Naomi was really able to comfort Ruth and take away her anxiety because Naomi knew Boaz. I mean, Ruth could have said to Naomi, really, Naomi? Really? Do you really know Boaz that well that you can tell me that he will finish this matter today? Do you really know Boaz that well, Naomi? She could ask that. And this is where Naomi could step right back, look her in the eyes, and say, yes, Ruth, I really do know Boaz. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. 